Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. It's where you ask me questions and I answer some of them. So here we go. I try to be as spontaneous as possible. I get lots of questions and then I just read them right on the feed here. Starting right off. This is from Abby Lou Yoga. Tips on working with someone with moderate kyphosis. So kyphosis is uh, the rounded looking position of your middle back when you think of the little old lady, not even so much anymore. How about just the slumpy people that are walking around in our world because we're spending so much time looking down at the computer. But that moderate kyphosis is, so there's a normal amount of kyphosis in the thoracic spine. And then that that um, kyphosis that is beyond what's normal um, is where really getting you rounded. And when you're rounded in that area and in the, in the upper back, also going to have the scapula slide away from midline, which just if you're standing just round like slouch and you can feel like your scapula can't stay neutral. So the first thing to do, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other things I'd have to look at is like where, where else is that balancing itself? So when you have a curve there, there's usually a kind of countering curve somewhere else. Like there might be a posterior tilt of the pelvis. So it's like everything's kind of slouching. So I would say the first thing to do is try and get neutral spine throughout and um, and then also look at the placement of the head. If the head is forward, it's very likely that's contributing to the kyphosis. So you have to get the neutral spine in place. Teach the person the triple S, 
uh, skull, scapula, and sacrum against the wall, on the floor, whatever it is, because the brain mapping has to happen simultaneously to all the work that you're doing with this person. Because you could do all the work in the world. If somebody came to me, I could do all this great myofascial release, make them feel really good. But if I don't do anything that starts to target that new brain mapping, then the person's just going to end up being exactly the same, right? That's called a passive modality. I've done something to someone and makes them feel good, but it's not having a long-term effect. And what you need to do is help the person re-educate how to get the um, more optimal posture. So I would start with that, work on core, work on the neutral pelvis. This is fundamental for everything up and down the chain. So the neutral pelvis, working the glutes, and then um, again, where the neck is, is hugely important. And then start teasing out what the person is doing during the day that is going to contribute to a more optimal posture versus going back into their kind of routine where they're getting more and more rounded. So for instance, might have to go to their workstation and position them to get more of that extension in the thoracic spine. So I hope that helps. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of education. And then of course, mobilizing the scapula, like doing my shoulder rolls like I do in class, but have, um, do like a reset for the person. If you've never taken my class, go to uh, movementbylara.com and and try some of the classes out and, and take that idea and work with the person on that. Because every single class I do a reset, which is reestablishing neutral pelvis and neutral spine. Okay. Annie's yoga. She asks, how many hours a day do you teach and do you self-practice daily around that? So yes, I... I practice daily. Um, I usually practice six days a week and my practice is around my teaching. So teaching, I teach five days a week. Um, So I teach seven classes a week. Uh, I think that's one reason I'm so in tuned with what's happening is because I'm always applying what I know and learning and learn from people. So I'm not, I, I have this great, intersection between um, knowledge and then applying it to real life people you know so that I, I it's like I'm a living laboratory I think you're probably asking like how am I doing that <laughs> to teach and also self-practice because if I'm I might be wrong Annie but this is what a lot of teachers ask me because a lot of teachers one of the biggest struggles they have I mean it's the biggest cliche in the yoga world I think is that yoga teachers teach more and practice less. And to me, I, I'm going to be practicing every single day that I teach, I'm going to practice. And practice to me is just, it's renewing me, it's refreshing me, it's keeping me, it's keeping my body happy. So I don't look at it as much like, oh, I'm, I, I do. I, I, it's like a, an art form to me. So I'm, I'm coming up with new ideas all the time. I'm trying things out. This feels really good on my body. I'm going to put this in a practice. So yes, my practice really informs my teaching. But more, most importantly, or even as important, is it keeps me sane. <laughs> you know, it really keeps me sane. And it's so funny because we think that taking, there's no time for that. Well, you have to make the time for it. I mean, sometimes I'm flat out exhausted at the end of the day, but I would be way more exhausted if I didn't practice regularly. I know that. And um, so make sure that you take care of yourself 
but that's that's what works for me and I do ha- I do many many other things during the day in practice and teach those are the things that probably that are sometimes fun and sometimes not as fun but um you know like make sure that you're working your craft and 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 taking care of yourself Aklea yoga oh she says does the subscription to your website renew automatically Aklea I think you're probably an annual annual member of my lit daily and yes it will but it'll send you an email first and foremost so yeah it's a good deal and we're having another great deal happening in the new year of course so look for that now okay J Petro Yoga how can i help people step forward from down dog to lunge without the knee down or circumducting the hip well the the easy answer is put blocks under their hands because you're lifting the floor up and you're making it easier and because this is this is a great question because you want to you want the action to be performed but not just to get the end result which is get the foot forward in any way possible because then what you'll do what people will do and this is what you're referring to is compensate circle the leg out uh, and you want to create the movement pattern brain mapping that is going to ultimately lead to taking that foot forward one day without having to lift your hand, circumduct it, circumduct the leg, or circumduct means like swing it out to the side, or um, have blocks under the hands. But you have to set the pathway for that. So there's a couple of things I would do. One is put blocks under the hands and have the person step as far forward as he or she can without lifting hands off the blocks. And it might be halfway and that's fine. Then you can always have them take the the foot and in their hand and use the hand to to bring the foot forward. Um, The other thing, that's the main thing I, I, I have people do is I use, I would have blocks under the hands or if they don't need blocks under the hands, but they need a little assistance, I say, bring it as far forward as you can lift up your belly, get your belly out of the way, like really use your core. And when you run into either your the flesh of your body or the in-range of your joint motion, then stop there and then grab, because you want the hands on the floor the whole time. Don't lift the hands up. Then you grab the foot or leg with your hand. You can grab like the, the leggings or the pant leg, whatever it is, and, and pull from there as well. That's fine because what you've done is you've done the brain mapping for getting it halfway to um, the in range and then you help out the rest. So I hope that helps you. That gives you a couple different ways of doing it. Okay. Anne VLZ asks, how, when, if do you make room for quiet slash alone time away from all things electronic and others? Others probably meaning people. Well, I think... It depends. Like I've had a very busy kind of two months and I will not necessarily have that every single day. I really try and have it every day, but I use my walks with my dog or things like that, going out in nature to not have my phone or if I have it, um, it's just there to be safe. I'm not like listening to it. Sometimes I like to walk and listen to a podcast because I feel like really that's relaxing to me because I'm actually kind of being entertained. Um, but a lot of times I like to just walk in the woods quietly. 
I think that this is something we all need to do. But what I do, I will say in terms of getting away from others, once I'm away from my studio where I do have a lot of people around me, I come home and I really give myself this time before my kids come home where I'm, I just don't communicate with anybody for a little bit. And so for me, that is like a reset. So I come home and it could be noon, it could be two, it could be three. It's rarely before noon because I, I'm doing filming and stuff, but sometime in the early afternoon. And I just at least give myself 30 minutes where I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not returning phone calls. I'm not looking at emails. I'm not looking at my phone, nothing. I'm just trying to be quiet. So that's when I would do it. So find it for yourself when that could be working. Um, my husband and I have, we don't bring the phones in the room. And so that's really great in, in the bedroom. Um, that makes it easier too. Like when you're having that quiet time before you go to bed, it, you know, where you're just not like, you've gotten that break from technology. There's an end point. This is a, this is for, in all honesty, this is a big struggle for me because I think when you work for yourself and this probably anybody can make this excuse, you could be working for a company and say, Hey, I need to be made available to, I need to be available to everybody, but it's um, harder to have that turnoff point. And I, I could just really, you know, w- work all day and cause I love it. So my husband is really good about also telling me like eh, time to shut down, you know, time to be quiet. And so you know, I do a little bit myself and then I have my husband who helps me as well. <laughs> so I think you just have to be intentional about it. The first state is being aware, which it sounds like you already are if you're asking that question, but I think it is really challenging, but being challenging doesn't mean you, you just say, Oh, forget it. I, I got to let it happen. You, you just become much more conscious of it, write yourself reminders and things like that. Make a commitment out loud. Um, coffee and Karen's, when do you think you might have another teacher training in Princeton 2021? Yes, probably. Yes. Would be the answer. 2020. I am in Costa Rica in June and that's already halfway filled up. So don't hesitate. If you're thinking about that, that is fabulous. Three weeks in Costa Rica with me live doing a 200 hour teacher training. But, um, the next one in Princeton will probably be the following year. Chaja Yoga asked me, when I meditate, I sit against a wall to have my head scapula sacrum against it. Good idea. Of course, that's a great idea. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're meditating and you're just, um, actually that hopefully will offer you some support that feels good for you so that you can eat more easily and meditate. BHBF2 says, where to start with student who has trouble in Sukhasana, rounded spine, high knees. So Sukhasana is supposed to, supposed to mean easy, easy pose. Sukha, Sukha is like easy, happy, Sukha or happy, like content, you know, so you're in this easy pose. It's not easy for people. So round is fine, high knees, that automatically is telling you that there's a lot of restraints in the hips. So the first thing I would do is get the person way up off the floor and don't even give them choice. Like come over with a uh, when I say don't give them a choice, but some people, you know, that are in that position, they they feel like sitting on a block is somehow going to make them look less than. And you just say, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is going to feel better. Tell them the reasons you're doing it and how it's going to make them feel better. Because what you want, and you can always say, I want you to have a neutral spine and neutral pelvis, and this will feel a lot better in your hips. So bring the floor, bring it up more so there's less of that 
flexion in the hips that they don't have. That's why their knees are popping up like that and they're rounding the spine. They, they're not getting that posterior glide of the femur. So um, have them sit on top of blocks, one or two, a bolster, anything like that. That's always going to help out. That's the first thing I would do. Wiggleboo.com. What a fun, uh, not com, dot com, dot co. You are easily one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's super sweet. Thank you. I love it when people write little comments in the q and I love it. Thank you. Thank you for that, Wiggleboo. Corporate Posey, best yoga asanas to relieve menstrual cramps in lower back and stomach. Help is needed. Well, counterintuitively, what I have found is working on the core helps both of those things. So bridge pose and then doing some abdominal work. It sounds like, wow, if you're having cramps in the abdominals, wouldn't that make it worse? No, actually, I think it makes it better. In my experience, my personal experience, but also in this experience with other women. Um, so definitely do a bridge pose to get that extension in the low back, get some space for the low back, and then try some abdominals and see like what is it like to really pull the belly in and give, you're actually kind of giving support to this area that's um, the hormones are creating that, the cramping and bloating, but the working the core muscles, the abdominal core muscles at least can really help out. Okay, I'm going to take one more. And there, there's several I see here almost in a row um, about osteoarthritis. And I'm going to take two more. So osteoarthritis, this is Desiree Mangadog. Uh, what movements to be restricted for osteoarthritis? Osteoarthritis in the knee, oh, osteoarthritis in the knees. Osteoarthritis in the knees, that is a tricky one because... It can be very, it can be, it most likely will, there will be a lot of pain with it. Sometimes people will have very little pain, but just a lot of crunching because they just don't have the cartilage to create that space between the two bones and the bones of um, the femur and, and the tibia are kind of rubbing up against each other. Or the, the patella is grinding a little bit. So those are all kind of osteoarthritic um, symptoms. The main thing is for osteoarthritis is to stay away from things that are causing more pain. And that might mean kneeling is not going to be happy being on the knees. I've had people with osteoarthritis who bring something under their knees, like more padding, like a double mat, and that helps a lot. And the, the, for quadruped, that's really, it's great to be able to get in quadruped if possible, but you don't want pain on the knees. So pad it up a little bit more. And then really work on hip mobility because hip mobility is will help the knees. If the hip mobility isn't there, that in fact might have been one of the reasons you might have the person's gotten osteoarthritis because osteoarthritis is a result of kind of suboptimal mechanics done repetitively that has led to a degenerative state of the cartilage. So those sub, excuse me, optimal mechanics might still be in place. So it's a good opportunity to work the hips and teach true hip hinging, flexing at the hips, a lot of deep abdominal core and glutes. Super helpful for the knees because you need to kind of offload that pressure in the knees and you have to do it from above um, and working the, the hip muscles and the deep abdominal core muscles. Final question. And this is from RT, uh, RT Bataj. Sorry if I botched that. Back bend from beginner to progress towards advanced level. Okay, well, that's a doozy of a question, but I'm going to actually answer it more simply. 
So I think that um, yoga in some ways has done a little bit of a disservice to what is movement by categorizing things as forward bends, back bends, twist, and the such. And I think it was done that way because it was almost like going to school. You go to school and you learn, you know, when you're in elementary school, you learn English, math, or if you're, you know, you're in some other country, you're learning your, um, your particular language, but you're learning history, math, science, and then your language. And you have these categories and you go and learn about them, but you're learning globally, hopefully about a lot of things. And you, and you just have these categories for schooling. And I think when yoga was, the yoga asana was coming around, that's these categories, these categories were developed to learn like you do in school. Like we're going to be learning backbends, kind of like you're going to, we're going to learn science today and we're going to learn forward folds and we're going to learn inversions. And, and I, I don't get that because I don't think in that way, again, from my physical therapy and just movement background, I, I don't think like now we're going to do a forward bend and now we're going to do a back bend. So I would say, first of all, start thinking of movement as movement and then thinking like in particular moves, what is required of the body. So in back bend, this is the way I look at it. In back bending, we are going into extension in the spine to get back bending. And what does what do we need for really good symmetrical backbending in that extended spine, we need, you need a lot of grounding action and that's going to happen from the pelvis into the legs. You need an opening across the anterior pelvis, the front of the pelvis. You need strong core muscles to stabilize the spine as you are moving it so that all parts are moving as symmetrically as possible and you're not sinking into one part. You need to have like for something like a wheel pose, you're going to need to have openness in the shoulder, the shoulder girdle and strength there. Mm -hmm. So that's what I look at is like, what is needed for, to execute these back, these back bends. Just like I look at what is, what do we need for a forward fold? Like, so hinging at the hips, we need mobility at the hip. We need a posterior glide of the femur. You need an extended neutral spine and co-contracted trunk. So that's what I look at. So I look at like what is needed to execute the movement as opposed to this is a movement of forward fold and this is what we're doing. So I think that yoga has, we should, when I'm like, when I call, this is called redefining yoga. And the reason I'm saying we're trying to redefine it is that I think we're smarter than that in a lot of ways that we don't need to have these categories so that when we practice, it's like, okay, check, did we do? Because I remember even like in my first teacher training, it was like, okay, make sure you're going to do a forward bend. You need at least one forward bend, one back bend. You need a twist in there. You need an inversion. And th- that was kind of how you made your flow up, your class up. And I always thought, well, that's interesting. And I realized like some people need those kind of guidelines but I would like to reframe it so that we are looking at what are the poses that would feel great for the body today? What are the transitions that would feel very seamless between these poses? What is the breath support going to be like? And what do we need to do to prepare for these things? So I don't teach from the mindset of a peak pose, but I know 
but backbends are the only exception to that. If I'm doing a backbending class where I'm devoted to a, a fuller expression of a backbend in like a wheel or scorpion or something like that, then I'm going to spend the entire class opening up the areas that need to be opened up and preparing in that way. So I didn't really answer your question, but except I want to challenge you to look at look at it more globally. Like, okay, so for the beginner, a backbend for them is going to be, hey, can I do a cobra where I'm getting some great extension in the back, but it's it's all pretty even. It's not like I'm pushing into it. How about just like learning how to extend the spine, axial extension, which is trying to inflate space between the spine. So that's how I would start as a beginner. That's like the, like, and then just a bridge. Those are the basic backbend elements that I would start off with. And then going into more, um, I don't want to say advanced, but, you know, bigger movement patterns, learning how to prepare for those things, opening in the shoulder, getting into some low lunges with twist and things like that, that are going to help free up the rib cage and mobilize the spine. Because when you twist, you're hydrating the disc and it's just really lovely and nourishing for the spine. So I hope that helps. I'm probably not going to give you a cookie cutter cutter answer to any question. And that's the reason is because movement is complex and it's so fascinating, interesting. And I would just say, challenge you to um, look at movement as this whole and then instead of like the um, discrete parts in, in something like a backbend. So I hope that helps. As always, pulling for you, send me your questions either to my Instagram account at lara.hyman or at lara at movementbylara.com and check out my lit daily classes. There you will get a very good idea of how you can progress all any poses, whether it's a forward fold, backbend or inversion, because we do it from the beginning in each and every class with the endeavor that you will move better, feel better and feel lit up. So thank you for listening today. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.